it also covers me in the case of if you decide to go on a rant against someone and they oh, sue that's, you. That's fair. That's <laughs> then fair. it's like I'm not liable for that. Yeah. Um, so that's that. Those are the two coverages that I that, have. <laughs> okay, I hadn't thought of that. You never know. I mean, I don't expect that. Um, no, and but... I was thinking actually, if we're going to talk about the churning thing, you know, it's like I, there's things I can and can't say about for sure that, that I, you know, will be careful about. So. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you a heads up. I'm going to share a churning story as well. This is Van Color. My name is Mo Amir, and today on This is Van Color, my guest is, in one word, awesome. Over the past 10 years, he has celebrated the awesomeness of our great city. He has crossed media platforms as an author of a pictorial history book on Vancouver, the host of a Leo award-winning web series on the curious history of British Columbia, and the co-host of another fabulous Vancouver-centric podcast. He's been on a plethora of panels and committees, including those of the Vancouver Aquarium, Celebration of Light, and the Pacific Salmon Foundation. He is the founder and editor-in-chief of the online publication Vancouver is Awesome. Listeners, he is the maestro of awesome, Bob Crownbauer. Bob, how are you? Wow, what an introduction. I don't know how I'm going to follow that up. I was trying to make it awesome. <laughs> it was good. One correction, Leo Award nominated. Oh, we nominated. Not yet won. We got nominated three times for different different uh, different awards, different Leos. Oh. We have yet to win one. So. I think I just came across so many instances where you were where I'm nominating it saying yeah. oh goodness look at this <laughs> well you're a winner in my heart Bob oh, thank you that's very very generous you know before you and Vancouver is awesome came along I think if you asked people to complete the sentence Vancouver is they probably say rainy mm. but I think there's like a good segment of the population that would instinctively just answer awesome now now yeah right? I think they would probably before maybe say boring <laughs> would be yeah yeah. Did, you, did what how did you come up with that name? Just It's a bit of a long story, but okay. yeah, it was an answer to No Fun City at the okay. time, 2008. I had just moved back from Los Angeles where I was living for 5 years and I was excited to be back and uh everywhere that I was reading online, blogs and and news, there was nothing that was really celebrating, "Hey, this is this is what's great about this city." And I was excited to be back after 5 years away mm-hmm. discovering in in my in my mind that Los Angeles was not the place I wanted to be, but Vancouver was. Right. Uh, and coming back to this place with sort of new eyes after a few years away, and and thinking, oh, this place is awesome. Why is everyone complaining? You know, like what is what is going on here? <laughs> There's nowhere for 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 me to read all of the stuff that keeps me here, despite all the really bad things. Can I swear? You can swear all as much the, as you want. Really shitty things. Yeah. You know? And 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 so. You know, uh, I was sitting at my, I was working from my home at the time, and I would go to a website at the end of the day called Cute Overload. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, it's like the memes of today. It right. was a personified animal. So hamsters with chopsticks, uh, cute pandas, that kind of stuff. And yeah. this is sort of cleansing my palate after the day of reading <laughs> news and reading com- people complaining on the internet, which is not new. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I was thinking, oh, I wish that... I, I, I wish that something existed that was like this, but had to do with Vancouver. And it's just like a nice fuzzy place. And so that's, I started it from there and it was very black and white at the beginning. It was just 
just awesome stuff. We don't talk about anything that's not yeah. you know, fuzzy and it was <laughs> it was it was super puppy dogs and rainbows for yeah. for quite a while actually. It's just so cool how that just the phrase in itself has like resonated in the city's consciousness, right? Like that idea of Vancouver is awesome. Like I just I just worry about just <laughs> Just destroying the word, though. You know, just try. I just try. Try to reserve the word. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's resilient. It'll stick around. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, uh, before we get into more of your story, uh, I do want to congratulate you on some really fun and eccentric uh, municipal election coverage. By, uh, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> by the time that this uh, this podcast will come out, uh, it'll probably be over a month since then. Uh, but you had a column which um, you called Vancouver's stupidest politics column. I didn't Indeed. think it was that stupid. I thought it was pretty fun. Well, it was it was pretty stupid. It was <laughs> the reason I called it that was, you know, I've followed politics for a long time yeah. and I know it and, you know, I can talk about it, but uh, standing up against Mike Howell or Francis Bulow or right. someone like that or like a Justin McElroy, I don't have that knowledge base and I don't I've never written about politics before. So this was my first kick at the can and oh, okay. and the idea hmm. was to focus on just dumb things half of the time, you yeah. know, like when, uh, I can't remember the candidate's name, you know, I focused on his beard and how awesome his beard was. Yeah, Raza Mirza. Yeah. Yeah, or, that beard was not dumb. That beard was very much awesome. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> but when, you know, when political gaffes, you know, totally. that, that sort of thing. And, and I was going to say, I mean, you brought, you highlighted uh, lesser known um, politicians who were also kind of troubling. Like I'm thinking about mustache guy and um, oh you mean hitler mustache yeah guy. hitler mustache yeah guy. <laughs> and then the guy that parked his truck in front of your office oh as yeah well. that, like those that were, guy no one was covering those stories but just to read about them That's was true. kind of funny yeah the eccentric part of it i guess it's it's uh, we were i was writing about some of the front runners but yes. yeah the the sort of and i mean that's sort of what vancouver's awesome has done really well is just found interesting oddball stuff that you didn't know about and and sharing it with you and just sort of sharing the experience of living in the city totally and, I don't know. yeah no i love it um aside from the column which i think it made the column did cover this moment but my favorite moment of the entire campaign was the glacier media debate where you asked hector bremner about the billboards because i think it was just uh so well-timed because everyone wanted to know and everyone was getting really frustrated with some of the answers they were getting back. Um, and it was it was quite a sight to see. Did you did you think it was going to be like this big moment or did you, did you expect that crowd to react the way they did? Not at all. No. no. I was, we drew straws and on who was going to get to ask the candidates direct questions. So oh, each candidate okay. got one, one direct question. Hmm. That was a two minute long answer. The rest of them, they were debating each other. And, I think it was the day before I drew Hector. Yeah. And I drew um, Way Young. Okay. Um, I think those are the two that I drew. There might have been another one. But it, it was just such a great opportunity to be able to ask a direct question. You yeah. know, you'll, you'll read the articles, you'll see the quotes, you'll whatever. But to have that person up there having to answer that question in front of a room and mm -hmm. and... To, to to have him fumble the way that he did. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I would say unravel, to be honest. Unravel. Huh? <laughs> well, he's such a smooth operator otherwise. Yeah. It, for him, 
for him to sort of stammer and constantly repeat himself and repeat the same phrase, I thought that was a bit of an, an unraveling. Well, I think also maybe he came unprepared in that he's used to the Vancouver's awesome that's puppy dogs and rainbows and isn't maybe. isn't expecting for me to hold his feet to the fire and ask him a tough question. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was a great moment, one that I, I personally enjoyed. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but it was not like the beef that you had in this campaign because uh. I've seen... Uh, a lot you taking a lot of heat from Coalition Vancouver and a few people there, uh, specifically G- uh, Glenn Chernan, who apparently cussed you out at a urinal. <laughs> yeah, this one goes back a very long time. Okay, let's, so let's talk about it. So it actually started with the Green Party. This this hmm. whole Chernan story. Well, it didn't start with the Green Party, but yeah. Glenn Chernan and his brother Nicholas uh, started a party called the Cedar Party during the last election. That's right, and. Um, they took out a couple of lawsuits uh, aimed at the, squarely at the mayor mm-hmm. and council and saying that there were special favors being bandied about and that they should be booted out of office. And they were obviously politically driven. Yeah. Something about a T-shirt and Hootsuite. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A pin pack. <laughs> a and, pin pack. Yeah. That's and that it. was some sort of influencing the, the decision for the city to rent them a building for millions of dollars. But, right. Um, the one that didn't really get much coverage because they they had done this multiple times and then been thrown out of court was one that was about me Vancouver's awesome hmm. and um and <laughs> it painted a it painted a picture it explicitly said that Vancouver's awesome is a front company okay it says, interesting it's a Vancouver's awesome is a front company that was set up to funnel greasy cash from land developers yeah. to Vision Vancouver, and that's what Vision. That's what. Sorry, that's what uh, Vancouver's awesome is, and somehow I'm the kingpin in in this entire operation, and and that I had helped Oak Ridge Mall get rezoned uh, into into you know they're they're doing thousands of condos there now. Yeah, and this is all from it's all from facts. You know, it's it's all from. Uh, and I picture it as as a dangerous mind. Is that what that movie was called, where the guy has a whole bunch of pins on a board and he's like wearing a tinfoil hat and he's got these crazy theories, but he ends up being schizophrenic or something like I that. Think, I'm thinking of the "It's Always Sunny." A beautiful in mind. Okay, a beautiful mind. Okay, "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" does a bit of a parody of that, where yeah. he's pinning things on a, on the board. But yeah, yeah. yeah. a so, beautiful mind. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. So so the the theory comes from. Uh, our favorable coverage of the mayor, mm-hmm. in which, you know, at that time we weren't doing news. We weren't doing anything that had an edge on it. It was all just awesome stuff. So yeah. we were writing about good things that we thought the city was doing, the mayor propping them up, you know, like, hey, hooray, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's one part of it. The second part of it is a minority shareholder who we had at the time who works um, in public consultation. And one of his clients was Oak Ridge. Okay. And... Then uh, Oak Ridge advertised with us. Yeah. Um, what other pieces of the puzzle were there? And so somehow this equaled uh, us being a front company, even though we'd already been in business for, it was probably seven years at that point, as a as a media publication. Sure. You know? and, and so I, anyways, it was a frivolous lawsuit. There were quasi-criminal allegations made about me. But I have it. a question about that. So say... Let's say everything he was saying was true. How does how is that a lawsuit? Like what what, what so damages lawsuit, were to him? I wasn't named in the lawsuit. Actually, okay. I wasn't a party to the suit. So it was the the 
group of ne'er-do-wells, I'll be generous, uh, versus Gregor and every vision counselor. And the idea was that it was a conflict of interest that they had this front company, air quotes, um, providing support and then something illegal happened with a rezoning for a land developer and then, and so they should all be uh, they should all have to resign. It was basically, it wasn't, there was no money involved. It was just, they wanted Vision to resign and for Gregor to be out of office. Okay. Because yeah. I'm just trying to think so if something tra- criminal was happening, it would be more of like a, a criminal uh, pursuit. Like you a would think that RCMP there would be, or something, not yeah, a lawsuit, right? That's would, why I'm confused. Exactly. And that's why I say there were criminal allegations made. <laughs> and that's what my lawyer said, you yeah. know, and when our response to it, which we didn't have to respond to because we weren't party to it, but yeah. You know, put out a statement. I I had an affidavit in it. You know that mm-hmm. says this is not true. This is these are criminal allegations you're making. It's defamatory. Yeah. It's, there's there's no criminal investigation. You know, there's not. Yeah. It's not one of those things where it's where it's oh some it's it's just complete <laughs> bullshit. You know, complete bullshit. So yeah. that's how far back we go. And th- I don't remember what year that was. No, that was the last election. So that would have been 2014. Right? Okay. And so Glenn Chernin and his brother Nicholas were both running for their party at that time. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw both of their names pop up for this election, and this suit is not closed, by the way. It's still open. Oh, okay. So in a case like this, it's up to the petitioner to go in and organize a day in court. Your lawyer has to go in and say, okay, we're putting this, we're, we're, or we're doing a date now, as opposed to the other way around where it's, hey, the system tells you, you know, your date is this date. Mm-hmm. So. Um, they never put it forward because the first two cases they got thrown out with cause, so they had to pay costs. Sorry, with costs, so yeah. they had to pay the costs of the of the people that they had named in the previous suits. Right. And so my assumption is that they knew they were going to lose this one. So right now it's still live in the courts. So it's sitting there. It has, hmm. it has all of the information. It has all their names on it. And these two characters come out of the woodwork again <laughs> and say, "Oh," and then I see that. Nicholas Chernin has got the nomination for school board with the Green Party of Vancouver. Yeah, that's right. And so I reach out to them and I ask them, hey, do you are you aware of the fact that this guy is involved in a lawsuit that's still open right now that calls us basically fake news? Mm-hmm. You know, this is a, a aside from the fact of, of my obvious problems with someone suing or trying to trying to legally challenge the media because they don't agree with something that they do. That's that's garbage. Yeah. That's garbage. You know, but the fact that the Green Party hadn't didn't know about it, they actually didn't, and so, so they hadn't vetted. They him had no enough idea. No, they out. hadn't vetted yeah. him enough. And or and there is, I asked specifically, is there something on on your papers that says, are you involved in any litigation? Blah blah blah. Oh yeah yeah. He didn't say that he was. So that was the issue that arose, and that's why he, air quotes, resigned. You know, or <laughs> whatever it was. Sure. They they let him go. Yeah. Peacefully into the night. Um. And and then uh, Nicholas, you you met up with him for coffee, right? yes, on I his did. invitation, um, or yeah, maybe yours. I don't remember who okay. who, but decided. So was it cool then afterwards, or what? I wanted to meet him to s- look him, him in the eye, yeah. yeah, and be like, "Who is this guy? Like, what yeah. is he? What is he? What is he up to?" And I don't know. Yeah. So but then, how do we go, go from that to so Glenn? Cursing so we go you from out? that, and so yeah, and then Glenn is just Glenn, and I wrote some stuff about him in the in the campaign. His he his main like his poster that was all around town was better call 
better better elect, elect Glenn, Glenn. right? Yeah. And it was a play on Better Call Saul, which is I don't do I need to explain how troubling that is? <laughs> the character in that show is this scumbag lawyer who takes on money from drug dealers yeah. and is, you know, just morally compromised to the max. Yeah. And and so to put yourself in that guy's shoes and say, hey, the voting public would, you know, hey, better trust me. It's just, it was such an oddball. So that was in a, one of those weird stories, right? Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, so. And it's interesting for him as well because he has always tried to position himself as this like anti corruption advocate, right? And free speech, too. And free speech. Yeah, <laughs> unless, it, unless it doesn't serve him. And then he's going to try and sue the media or tangle the media up in a bogus lawsuit. Right, yeah. 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 So, so at, you, you're you're wondering how the fuck you happened, basically. Yeah, or what, I mean, walk so, me through what happened and then yeah. and then why. Or, or... So it was an all-candidates debate. What was that one called that was at the... Um... The last candidate standing. I yeah, think. it was yeah. a really fun, kind of like a game show event, and, right. and anybody could go that was... Uh, mayor or council candidates. Okay. And so Glenn was there and I was, oh, it was the first time I'd actually seen the guy in person. You know, prior to him taking out this lawsuit, he never called me. I've never heard from this guy. Yeah. I've never spoken to this person in my life. Hmm. Um, and I see him there and I'm like, oh my God, this guy is here. What if I run into him? You yeah. Know, like, what do I say to this person? Yeah. And I shot some photos of him. He was in the front row and I had my camera and I was there covering it, you yeah. know, so... Um, so I shot some photos of him and then go up back to the top because I was up in this on the second floor mezzanine and I had had a couple beers. So I go to the bathroom and who's standing there but Glenn Chernin taking a whiz. <laughs> and so I bandy in there and and hey, how's it going? And he turns instantly and very friendly. Oh, hey, what's up? Uh, he didn't know who, who I was. Yeah. And so... I said, oh, hey, it's Bob Cronbauer. How's that lawsuit going for you guys? And then he just didn't say anything. I'm sorry for painting a picture in the washroom here. Oh, but no. it's, it's, I'm I, following. I feel it's newsworthy. <laughs> but um, he just turns and like stiff as a board, just looking straight forward. Oh, my goodness. And then he just says, fuck you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> to which I didn't really have an answer for. And then he said you actually have a job? Somebody actually pay you, blah, blah, blah. And he started berating mm -hmm. me, and then, okay. he, and then he stormed out. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was more that. of an angry fuck you as opposed to like a, yeah, fuck off, Bob. No, like, it was I'm... a fuck you, Bob. Yeah, yeah it was okay. like definitely not a friendly, oh, fuck you, buddy. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it was, wow. <laughs> it, was, it was aggressive. And then well, he tweeted out that I, that I, his tweet later was that I had paparazzi him, and then, insinuated that I was some sort of perv by following him into the bathroom. Right. To, and that's why he told me to fuck off is because he thought because I followed had him. followed him yeah. and maybe, I was trying to look in my junk or I don't, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what the tweet was. So that's, I, I'm sorry, but yeah, yeah, it was, that's crazy. So yeah, it's a, I mean, had you covered them at all? Like prior to the, the lawsuit, um, had you covered? No, no. no. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But suddenly they were accusing you of, being this criminal front for yeah. laundering money or yeah. funneling money or whatever yeah. it was. If I yeah. was, oh man, I would be so rich. <laughs> if I was responsible for rezoning Oak Ridge Mall, yeah. good lord. 
<laughs> so I um I, I met I met Glenn in person once, and uh, it was it was very cordial. It was an NPA event when Kenson was just recently acclaimed as their uh, mayoral nominee. And uh, I'll be honest, like I've I've had cordial exchanges with him online, like nothing crazy. But um, when I met him, I definitely knew that he was an interesting character because I got to chat with him and he was telling me about all all the stuff that's going to come out like all the corruption in, in the city and this election cycle it's all going to come out mm-hmm. and just wait like it's going to blow people's minds like the the amount of dirt that's and, and garbage and whatever that's been happening in this city and he, and he and he keeps saying like just wait till it comes out so i just ask him i'm like well when's it going to come out and i kid you not his response was Whenever I want, man. <laughs> <laughs> Better elect Glenn. I, <laughs> I loved it. I, I mean, it was just hilarious um, for me, but that response. And at that point, I was like, okay, well, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, what <laughs> like, did you think at that point? Did you believe him? Um, I, You know, I can, see, I can see why he has certain supporters. I think people like this idea of someone who's going to clean up City Hall or they're this Who doesn't anti- like that idea? Exactly, right? And even, I mean, not to make a direct comparison, but, you know, even um, more serious mayoral candidates we saw talk about forensic auditing or going through the books or, you know, they're touching on that same thing that, that, that Glenn's trying to do. But Glenn goes, you know, overboard in terms of everything's corrupt and we've all been robbed and... Um, Sometimes, you know, I, when you look at what he says, if he's not being inflammatory, um, you're just like, oh, I would want to learn more about that. Right. Um, but I think he had a tendency to just kind of disappear, which is, I think, very hard for anyone to um, support a, pol- a politician like that. Like he right. was with the MPA and then suddenly disappeared. Well, he, he showed up with coalition. He disappeared because he thought he had the nomination there, but they were smarter than that and they didn't give him a nomination. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, but there isn't, you know, there, there would be an opportunity to make a news story out of that. Um, oh, oh yeah, definitely. He, he wasn't available. Yeah. I know multiple people actually who tried to reach out to him after that, but you know, maybe he's just going back and licking his wounds while he's, while he's trying to figure out what to do next, because yeah. that was not what he expected. He thought he was going to be running for the NPA. Yeah, exactly. And, and even when he was running with coalition, um, you know, aside from some, some funny videos, I mean, I thought they were interesting. Um, he wasn't really out front and center and campaigning. Right. Like other people were. Yeah. Right. So it's again, there's a bit of a divergence in terms of you're supposed to be this anti-corruption crusader, but also we can't see where you are. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I again, when you're when you're talking about these lawsuits, yeah, they definitely sound frivolous. Uh, I'm just speaking from my own experience of I kind of get the appeal, but then I can see why. I can see why it's hard to cheer for that guy. That's yeah, all. I mean, for me, it's hard because it's like personally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a personal angle to that one, which is why it's good it was an opinion column. For sure. Because it was never it was never supposed to be some critical analysis of or some sort of news piece. It was supposed to be a fun, yeah, personal exactly. take on on the election and the the electeds and the potentially. Totally. To be elected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a lot more to talk about than just Glenn Shrenan. Oh, so thank we'll, we'll God, move man. <laughs> um, you've done some great work, as, as you sort of mentioned, um, you know, trying to shine a positive light on this city and uh, a lot of well-earned success and, and a lot of cool projects that you've been part of. So I'm really happy that you're here. Thanks for having me here. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, 
one recurring theme on this podcast is the love-hate relationship that seemingly everyone in Vancouver shares, even though to outsiders, it's like basically heaven on earth, right? Sure. Like people yeah. come here and they're like, this place is amazing. Um, and I think it's important for most of us to ground ourselves and appreciate how lucky we are to live here if we can live here, right? For most of us. Uh, but even I catch myself slagging my own hometown, the only hometown I've ever known. Do you think that's just human nature? Or is it something about Vancouver that that makes us or the people in it more antagonistic to yeah. our city? Yeah, it's human nature, but I think that oh, there's an inherent Vancouverness to the way that we complain about right? it. And I have a theory. Sure. Uh, based on... 11 years of being trolled online or even just seeing angry <laughs> comments online that aren't directed towards me and just sort of getting a general gauge or on the temperature, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like in the, I don't feel like, I know this as a fact in my mm-hmm. head, is that in the winter, when it starts to get really rainy, we get crankier and we mm-hmm. get, like, it's not, I'm not going to say seasonal affective disorder, but when the sun comes out, I could, if I, if I was to do a sort of scientific analysis of the, the angry comments, the, the <laughs> shitty, uh, petty, angry stuff on our website yeah. on a rainy day versus a sunny day, it's like, it's, it's like night and day. It doesn't exist on a sunny day. And really? it's, we still have the same traffic on a sunny day. Huh. Still, there's still the same amount of people reading the stuff on a sunny day, but the mood is... I think it's dictated by the by the rainforest, you know, the the rain the the climate that we have here. Yeah. I think that there's something to that. Yeah, and, and that seems to be the only explanation that I find convincing as well is is blame it on the rain. Like sometimes it just <laughs> rains so much here that you, your mood definitely is affected. And and I was I mean we just uh, we just fell back for daylight savings. Or, yeah, we're on daylight we savings did, now, yeah. right? Is that yeah. how it works? Yeah. yeah. Um and you know, I'm driving to work in the dark and driving home in the dark. I know. And that just happened because we we fell back, right? Overnight. Like, yeah. And that definitely affects your Yeah, mood. how'd like, that make you feel? I, I'm not angry. No, I, I didn't, no it's I, true. I didn't go trolling, but no. I, uh, I like, lack of energy. You know, not as upbeat mm-hmm. as I would like to be. <laughs> but, I mean, d- today it is not raining outside. That's and, true. And it's... It's a beautiful day. It is. It's a good day to have an interview. Sure. Inside. <laughs> Since you give it a lot of thought, clearly, I want to hear it from you directly. What is it about Vancouver that makes this city so awesome? That's a funny, I have the worst question for this one. I've been asked this, obviously, before. Sure. And my answer is how easy it is to get out of the city. Really? Yeah. How close it is to go to, I like to fish, so I'm going to say Squamish, Mm -hmm. is 45 minutes away to the most beautiful river bears there, eagles, the yeah. North Shore Mountains, you know, if you want to go skiing, that's sort of, that's sort of, um, you know, coffee in the morning or what is it, brunch downtown, mm-hmm. skiing on the mountains in the afternoon, that sort of thing. How right. how easy it is for us to, to access nature from here yeah. beyond the walls of the city and how, I don't know, n- not, not due to the Lionsgate Bridge being terribly effective, <laughs> but just the proximity of, of, the proximity is what I is what I always say is the most awesome thing about the city. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of a cop out because it's that's uh, almost the opposite of what's in the city, you know? Yes and no. I mean, I don't think it's a cop out at all. I think you're absolutely right. Like there is that escape from I wouldn't say the city, but like urban living. Um I mean, I live in North Van and and I grew up in North Van and even when I moved out of the house, stayed in the area because I grew up with this lifestyle of 
having a forest walk real close to where I am, like not having to take a car even just to to go for a little, not a hike, but like a little walk through a the forest, walk in the right? Woods, yeah. yeah. Um, and you think about people living in Vancouver, and if you're if you're on the West End, you live near Stanley Park. It's the same same idea. Or if you live, you know, at any stretch near the seawall, that's it's pretty amazing. And I think added to not just the accessibility of nature, but we have pretty temperate weather here as well. Like. Ignoring the rain, it just doesn't get extremely cold or extremely hot either. Yeah. So generally speaking, you're able to go outside if you're well dressed or you know wearing the appropriate clothing. Um, so I think all of that may, and then the, just the views. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think the views, but also um, the views in the context of when it does rain for a couple of weeks. And then the the sky's clear, it and you're comes just like, back. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah. man, I love it. <laughs> At my house now, we have uh, in 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 the living room in the fall, and I love the fall too. By the way, I mm-hmm. love the winter. I love the rain. I love I love the the seasons. I love that we have a change of seasons. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Living in Los Angeles for a few years just reminds me of oh hey oh it's it's there's there's some sort of growth that comes with the seasons but right. there's trees in front of our house and in the summer it's nice because there's leafy trees in front of the house but then when everything when all the leaves fall off then i actually get to see the mountains i can see city hall from the house mm-hmm. and i have this beautiful view like that i didn't have before yeah i love it and and it's almost that idea of like when it's gone for a little while but it comes back you're, it, that's you're, what I meant. That's yeah. where I was going with that. Yeah. Like the mountains, you don't see them at all for a while. And it's like, oh, yeah. are they still there? Yeah, yeah. And then they appear with <laughs> snow on them. So aside from um, complaining or ragging on our city, uh, what other traits would you attribute to people who live here that make them distinctly Vancouver? Um, maybe just a... I, I didn't think this until fairly recently, but the the sort of gumption of entrepreneurship and mm. and I think it's getting harder and it's getting to a point where you better step up or you're going to be out. When mm. I first moved back from Los Angeles, I thought it was a very stony culture. People were, oh, you know, not kind of a lot of people kind of floating around, not mm-hmm. really going for it right. sort of thing, you know, from a, from a, I don't know, a, a overachievers mindset you know sure. it just seemed kind of uh laid back slow or, yeah. yeah slow and and this sucks to say this but i think that the the um housing crisis is forcing people to hustle more and to be mm-hmm. more creative and to to start doing more stuff and to to start more things and to to i don't know make make more of it yeah yeah that 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 is an interesting observation. I I mean I because I think we are still laid back. Sure, in, I wouldn't say sense, we're not. I wouldn't say that we're not. Yeah, yeah, in the sense that when you're in the downtown core, there's not a lot of people wearing the full suit and tie. Whereas you go to Toronto and it's it's much more prevalent. In my there, world right? of business, it's not suit and tie yeah. all the time. You know, so it's are you are you out there? Are you are you doing stuff? Are you totally you know pushing forward? Are you yeah yeah? Well, that said, I was going to say the number of people I know that are either working like three or four jobs uh, and, you know, some of them are sort of side gigs mm-hmm. and they're they're trying to make it big in some area or whatever, or just people who are going all in on a business idea mm-hmm. and they're being full on entrepreneurs uh, is incredible and, and inspiring. And there's so many of those people out there, like you said, 
hustling, trying to make something big. Looking at looking at Vancouver, maybe not so much in its constraints, but its opportunities, because there is, uh, you know, not the same level as other major cities, but there is venture capital here. Mm-hmm. There is a tech industry here. Um, it, but at the same time, it's also a small city, so it's very easy to, I think, connect with people. For sure. If you if you want to, if you really want to connect with someone, you're only a degree or two degrees away, right? It's not it's not unthinkable. It is a small town. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and and that's the thing. I mean, one thing I'm learning about Vancouver is that the number of creative, artistic, entrepreneurial people here are really starting to find are really starting to define uh, our, our vibrancy. Um, so that's why I have you here, and that's why I want to get into Thank your journey. You. Thank <laughs> you. I mean, on the flip side of that, though, you know, this sort of aloof uh, uh, preconception of an of an artist, you know, that that has the freedom to not work three jobs. I shouldn't say aloof, but you mm-hmm. know, the 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 notion of of somebody just being creative and and making a, a living off of that are not that realistic here anymore. No, they're not. And um, I mean, I guess they never were. Yeah. But now it's a increasingly harder to to do that yeah but they but they are getting better and they're able i think there's a lot of people especially in the tech sector that are able to you know hold some sort of design work job and sure while they're also pursuing something else um and you do see a lot of that as well so and like i said i think the opportunities are starting to open up and we're like as a community we're starting to think about these things a little more in terms of like public art or supporting certain industries that we think will be the future of the city, mm-hmm. um, but let, but let's get back to you. Uh, when you before you started the the publication, uh, you developed an online skateboarding magazine. You worked as an online manager, creative director, and photographer. It seems like you had you know some some things going. You sort of explained that when you came back from LA, you you saw people complaining about Vancouver being a no fun city. Um, but what? What was the original vision of of your of the site? I guess of the publication. Like, was it the 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 cute website, and you were just trying to create a localized version of it? It was. I explicitly said to my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, you know, this is just a side project. Mm-hmm. It is only an outlet, and it is never going to make money. <laughs> it is going to be the one thing that I'm doing that's never going to make money. It's just for, you know, just for the good of doing it. Yeah. And and I had a good contract with Nike at the time. I had some other freelance stuff I was doing, and mm. so I had the luxury of saying that. Yeah. Um, but also, looking back on it now, a few months later, it started to take up half of my day, and so I had to figure out, okay, am I going to keep doing this thing? Or am I going to not do it? You know, like, right. how am I going to do it? And so I had to turn it into a, a business. Yeah. Um, and How long did it take to get to that point where you realized you had to make a decision? Hmm. I say six months, but I have a, a pretty terrible memory. <laughs> uh, let's say a year. Okay. You know? yeah. um, it's pretty quick. Yeah. 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 And, and when the Nike contract ran out. Yeah that sped up, you know, because, right. yeah, it was... Freed up a lot of time. Yeah, it actually, so I started it in 2008, so it would have been in that same year, actually, because it was there, during the during the uh, financial crisis. I had I was working with Nike in, out of Portland. Oh, okay. I had a contract with them, and they said, fire all of your outside contractors. I saw this internal memo from somebody that worked there. Yeah. And fire. so I was just waiting for the, for the, the hammer to fall, and it did. Uh, and then I was, okay, while well, I'm spending half my work day working on this thing, how can I make this work? <laughs> and so 
And actually, somebody that I knew had just started a nonprofit. And so we started it as a nonprofit originally. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so we registered as a nonprofit. It was going to be, you know, funded by grants and the city's granting system that doesn't fund organizations like this. Yeah. Um, And we did donor drives where where people would... um, you know, buy a raffle ticket and be entered to win some cash and, hmm. you know, sort of stumbled along for a couple of years, making just barely enough for me to to, to scrape a living out of it. Yeah. Uh, and then realizing, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. Can I just run this thing as a business and going to my board and saying, hey, can I dissolve the nonprofit side of it and just have a go and and run it as a business? Hmm. And, and we had just started, we had just introduced advertising at that point as well. So... You know, the advertising was starting to pick up and I saw that was where we were going to go, obviously, to make money. Yeah. Um, and so the board was like, yeah, sure. And so we dissolved the nonprofit and just ran it as a for-profit social venture, if you want to call it that. Sure. Um, and and what, what time period was that when you actually started taking on advertising? Hmm. It was pretty quick, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the, the advertising came fairly early. You know, banners, banner advertisements yeah. have always been a thing. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I love the fact that you started it as a side gig um, or yeah. not a side gig even just like a fun sort of project and sorry I was going to say yeah that that was what I keep with me to this day as mm-hmm. you know the sort of purity of that original idea of of that is where it came from and I try and stay you know or at least keep that in mind with with decisions that I make and mm-hmm. just, I don't know just having that as a as a anchor yeah yeah I mean I mean for me in this podcast uh you know, I, I've I've said that I'm never going to start a Patreon or anything like that because that goes against why I'm doing it. I'm doing it for fun and I'm doing it to, to learn and to meet some cool people and to share hopefully interesting uh, conversations in the universe. But I feel like today's internet media landscape is so much different than 10 years ago where today everyone's just trying to quickly monetize something and that's why people are trying to get followers so then they can advertise some brand on their Instagram or whatever and there seems to be people who are trying to create something cool a lot of people seem to be just obsessed with monetizing right away right. Yeah. whereas you started in a landscape where you know the social media aspect wasn't really off off the ground just yet yeah and no one was really thinking about you know how is Facebook gonna make money or, or anything yeah. like that so yeah it was a lot different time yeah and you know it's so much has changed since since we started and yeah. in between when you talk about Instagram anybody can can rack up a hundred thousand followers on Instagram with a you know a few tricks up their sleeve and and then start to monetize it which is which is crazy, yeah. crazy awesome too, you know? Like yeah. that just opens it up to anybody. You don't have to be an established publication to to make a living off of being a brand on social media. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But is there that sort of gold rush for podcasts is what I wonder. Um, I, I, I almost feel like it's getting bigger, uh, but if you got in a f- earlier, if you got in five years ago, mm-hmm. you'd be doing very well right now financially um just in terms of your reach your audience mm-hmm. i think being being there first like there is a big uh, podcast out of vancouver uh stop pod stop podcasting yourself they've it's been huge. around forever it's, yeah. it's huge yeah and um you know it's it's quality show it's it's hilarious um but they've been around for a long time right mm-hmm. they sort of they've they've gone through all the growing pains um uh, with a small audience and, and built it up um 
so I don't know if there's a gold rush. I don't know if that's the right way to call it. Like a yeah. gold rush. I just I see the Instagram, I see that as a gold rush because yeah. you can build up your followers fast. There are agencies that will that will get some crappy protein drink on your feed. You yeah. Know, and and you make a few thousand bucks a month off of it. You exactly. Know? But and if you have a nice butt. You that's where made. the protein drinks. That's why they do so well. <laughs> Look at the butt you could have if you drink these protein drinks yeah. out of this plastic mug that has yeah. A and the on. pants you can buy with that nice butt and that you're gonna have all right? of it, man. You can have it all. The world is your oyster. So I need to ask you. So sure. you don't ever see doing this as a career? Uh no. no I mean, I don't see it that way. No, I, I, I almost. It's the idea that I just want to take it one step at a time. Uh, so there is no grand vision, um, but I think I'll probably the goal is to do it. I, th- I originally said for myself 33 episodes, and then I'm going to reassess if I want to keep doing it if I still am having fun. Because the truth is, I do have fun prepping for interviews. I fr- I have fun sitting here with people like you, um, and it's just a different skill set away from my professional life that that I'm enjoying exploring. But right. I think after arbitrary time, I'm going to you know reassess and. And see if I want to continue it or if I maybe want to change the direction of the podcast or scale up, scale down. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But no, I think and I think that's just the thing for any creative pursuit. If you're too focused on the big vision or or outcomes, it can get a little depressing. (laughs) Sometimes it sometimes it works. Sometimes you strike strike it rich as someone who's like thrown a lot of shit at the wall and seen what sticks, you know, from an entrepreneurial perspective. Sure. Sometimes yeah. you will you will get a home run. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm open to your your advice and feedback. After we'll talk after. <laughs> um, did you? I mean, let me throw that same question at you or a similar question. Did you ever anticipate having the reach that Vancouver is Awesome has? Like, not just in terms of people that read the site or follow you on the different social media channels, but as I alluded to earlier, this idea that people use that phrase "Vancouver is Awesome." People will use that hashtag. Vancouver is awesome when they take a cool photo or something cool is happening in Vancouver. Right. And it might not necessarily be for you to retweet it or whatever, but it's it's almost joining in that collective spirit of look yeah. look at this place we live in. That's yeah, the thing with our with a with the hashtag Vancouver is awesome on Instagram, I think that probably you know a high not a high percentage, a percentage of people that use that hashtag don't know that we're a publication. It's a statement. It is a yeah. statement. You yeah. know, you could just use that if you plug in if you start plugging in a hashtag and you know how it auto auto fills in. Yeah. You know, if you put Vancouver I or Vancouver, I think it comes up as one of the top yeah, ones. So exactly. it's just it's just a thing. It's just a statement. So And that statement has like penetrated the zeitgeist of the city in a lot of ways. Sure. At least in that demographic. Yeah. Right? To answer your question, no. No, <laughs> definitely not. Never, never, uh, never, you never came up with that name and we're like, that rolls off the tongue. Like, everyone's going to be saying this. The original <laughs> version was longer. What was the original version? Shut the fuck up. Vancouver is awesome. Really? That's, is that true? Well, that's not, it's not obviously not the one that I was going to use, <laughs> but that's what I think of because it was like, it's not a no fun city. It's a fantastic city. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Vancouver is awesome. And I mean, love it. So, we do news now as well. So yes. there is not that just shut up and stop complaining element to it. You yeah. Know? I'm sure maybe that you're going to get to that later. But were we going to talk about that? <laughs> we, we are. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But you can talk about it now. I, yeah. I'm in no. Yeah. Anyways, that's, yeah, that's where it came from. Yeah. What, aside from just the, like when you started the, the positive spin 
on Vancouver. Um, what do you think is the demand that Vancouver is awesome is obviously tapping into that makes it so successful? The demand. Yeah. I, I just I, probably what I originally thought of is just a place where you can find out what's going on in your city and what's what's great about it. Yeah. Yeah. And on the new side, do you find it's you're kind of cutting away some of the formalities of news? You're introducing new topics to maybe people who don't know much about it? With news? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're definitely more casual. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's it's more our our tone has always been very conversational. Mm-hmm. So some of our news stories are drier than others. Sure. Uh, if I'm writing them, I'll, I'll spruce them up a little bit. Okay. Um, and and I think that's also what separates us is that we have personalities. You know, if 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 I'm looking at modern uh, websites and and publications, you know, we're not just a sort of huge operation that is churning out news. Sometimes you'll have something interesting in there that you wouldn't normally learn from a news story or right. or an opinion even or or a take on something that's different. Yeah, yeah. What what would you say your target demographic or or the demographic that is uh, consuming Vancouver's awesome is our median audience is thirty five. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. So it's you know mid twenties to to say forty five, twenty five to forty five is our core audience. Yeah, yeah. Below that, you know, it's it's not that much. Yeah, fair enough. It's there aren't that many really young people that that are interested in Vancouver's awesome. I think they're all on Snapchat. <laughs> There's uh, Snapchat is um, a labyrinth. I cannot figure out this app. Really? Yeah, I don't understand where I'm supposed I, to be I was swiping on it to get and, to the menus and I was on it until Instagram introduced <laughs> Insta- Instagram stories. stories and yeah. was, why do I need this? I wasn't on it, but Vancouver's awesome. We were trying to decide should we do a Snapchat channel and an Instagram channel and yeah. and have those both going. But then when Instagram introduced stories, it just killed any notion of doing Snapchat. So, and like I say, our demographic is not primarily that age group, which I would imagine would skew quite a bit younger. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. I feel like with that age group uh, that is consuming Vancouver's Awesome, you're also introducing them uh, to a lot of quirky and interesting history about Vancouver and British Columbia. Um, you yourself have uncovered some some really beautiful and, and sometimes weird stories uh, in your web series. BC was awesome. And uh, when I watch one of those episodes, one of my first thoughts is like, oh, these artifacts and these stories that could be made into exhibits should be like in a fun museum. And I don't know if they are in a museum ah. or not. Or, And that's why I'm curious. Like, how do you come across these stories that you're covering in Vancouver and British Columbia's history? And what about them inspires you to share them in a very accessible way? Some of them are in museums. Okay. Some of them are, you know, things that we don't know about as Vancouverites because we haven't gone to the museum in Fort St. John. Oh, you know? yeah. Um, huh. But the better, some of the better ones aren't. Um, um, Rattlesnake Island, for instance, the the story in Kelowna about a man who bought Rattlesnake Island and tried to turn it into a, uh, oh, that d- a theme, desert park. theme park. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With a, a with Moroccan a giant, theme or something. Yeah. yeah it was a, it was a, uh, Moroccan Shadu. That's is, right. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, <laughs> he was going to have a submarine that went to the Ogopogo's cave. Right. He had a giant um, camel that was, you got ice cream out of the front of it and out of the back of it is where they threw the garbage into a garbage can. So it was like pooping garbage. There was a, <laughs> what? 
there was a, a pyramid that they made. They made a pyramid. Yeah. Uh, say 30 feet high um, out of cinder blocks. There's a photo of the man standing in front of it. And we actually, the story was that it was thrown into Okanagan Lake. That the, that the government bulldozed it. Sorry, mm. so the, to wrap this story up to the listener, yeah. uh, the government took away his right to do it, and there was a court case, and the, the island, well, the Moroccan Shadu, as we probably can assume, never got built. Right. But um, the, the pyramid was supposedly pushed into the water by a bulldozer that the government brought in after they decided to reclaim the land, because now mm. it's a part of Okanagan Lake uh, Provincial Park. Right, right, right. Um, but we brought the fellow's daughter there to the island to walk around and, you know, share her memories of that she had as a kid on this island. Yeah. And we found this sort of covered up massive pile that was the pyramid. And it was just all kind of scrunched up in this kind of little Still on gully. land, still on the yeah. island. Yeah. So yeah. I grabbed a piece of it and I have it in my collection of oddball crap that I keep that my yeah. wife wants me to throw away. But that story, you know, the the... The stories that you wish were in a museum but aren't, those are the ones that come that get spun off from we're in a museum, we're talking to somebody, we go to somebody's house, we, we you know, chasing the thread. Oh, did you guys hear about the uh, this story? Did you ever hear about this? And we'll be like, what? We went, no, that yeah. sounds thrilling. Tell us more. And then you chase that a little further. Hmm. And then that weird story will kick out another weird story that somebody has heard. And, and it's, yeah, it's it's all word of mouth. And, and that's why I feel like the show is important that we keep doing it. Not because I love doing it, because I do. It is so much fun to do yeah. it. The group that I work with is so great. They do so much of the heavy lifting, and they kind of just throw me in there. As, as you've known, because you watch it, there's moments of discovery, which I wish they wouldn't put on the screen so often where I'm going, oh, no I love way. that. Oh, what? You know, it, those it, are true moments of discovery. Well, I was just going to say, it comes off as genuine. It, it like, is. I think if, yeah. it was, if it was clearly a put on face, then I'd be like, okay, he's doing that face again. Yeah. But no, it, no you look they, they throw astonished. me into these, yeah. and they, they tell me the basics. I'll research some of it with them. You know, I decide with the with the produce, my co-producers, because I produce the show too, um, about what the subjects are going to be. And then they go and they dig and they find all these weird people and and and, and the angles and then they kind of just throw me in and yeah. give me a list of, of questions that they think I should ask and then it leads to more questions. And But I think, you know, as as these stories are exposed to us, I it's, it becomes more... Um, it becomes more apparent to me how much of a steward of these stories we end up being because mm. those people are going to die. Yeah. It's not in a museum. Maybe it's not even in a book or even in a paper somewhere, somewhere in a deep hole of the internet, you know? Mm -hmm. So us for us to be able to go in, grab these stories, interview people before they die, to be quite frank. Yeah. Know, more than one of our subjects have died before the season even came out. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, huh. um, and, and to be able to tell those stories in a succinct way where... You know, one of the one of the taglines that my co-producer Greg uses is it's it's a history show for people who don't like history. Yeah, because <laughs> it's just a story. You yeah, know? it's not like a nerdy. No, you're history, not really talking about politics or yeah, or, yeah, yeah. The direction of society. And, it's just yeah. So the no, idea, but they're great stories. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I I love that. Um, are there any hidden secrets? or things about Vancouver's history that you think uh, people should know about um, but don't know about? Hmm. There's a lot. Oh, man. 
We can get your favorite if you have if you have one off the top of your head. Uh, that people don't know about. I mean, the book that Lanny Russworm wrote for us, which spawned BC, was awesome. Vancouver was awesome. I'll yeah. bring you a copy of it. That was I wrote the introduction to it. I didn't write the meat and bones of the book. He has so many stories in there. Like the time that this is this is not a hidden one, but uh, Houdini um, hung off of the Sun Building on Pender Street. Oh, really? Yeah, he hung upside down on that upside building. down. Yeah, and there's a photo. Uh, more than one photo, I think, of him hanging upside down, and there's a group of people, just a mob of of people, all wearing really nice hats. It yeah. must have been like there's not a single person in that photo not wearing a hat for some reason. <laughs> and for some reason, it's all men. Like only men were allowed to go see Houdini or something weird. But, okay, so he he did a big stunt where he, you know, was that the stunt just up, hanging there? No, or? getting out because okay. he was all locked in. He was in a straight jacket, gotcha. okay. and you know, he did his escape trick thing. yeah <laughs> yeah that's uh, i don't know um that's pretty I like, crazy i like yeah. the idea of all the and i don't know much about this but i wish i knew more and we haven't really done that many vancouver stories for bc was awesome because we kind of mm-hmm. focus outside but um all of the sort of hidden um passageways in chinatown between the buildings below the buildings there's still a bunch of them there right um at the lamplighter at one point uh, many years ago a friend was talking about this and, and they said, oh, did you know that there's a series of tunnels that connect all these buildings because there were, you know, gambling places and opium operations where people had to kind of go quietly throughout Chinatown. Oh. And he opens up a, a thing in the in the bottom of the bar and there's this passageway of bricks and it's... Anyways, there's that. and That's incredible. Yeah, so there's a series of tunnels that are sort of mo- probably mostly all just walled off and stuff. But yeah. I'd like to see somebody do a proper map or a, even dig up some of that stuff, like go in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, you're right. Like map it out with the buildings and, and kind of give an idea of, you know, where the gambling was or where <laughs> whatever it was. If they could, you know, yeah. if there's still a, that information available or being able to ask. That's really cool. I had no idea <laughs> maybe even below the studio i bet there it is. might be yeah, yeah. we're we're in we're that location in chinatown but we are is this chinatown sort of uh, it's sort of rail town gas town yeah yeah <laughs> we're in that lo- we're in that neighborhood that yeah hood. um so so maybe not hidden secrets or or hidden histories but uh, what are your favorite spots in the city now i know you said you like to go away and you like to go to fishing but let's keep it to I, in the greater city yeah. urban sort okay. of spots there's one that i always shout out and it all. I thought it was going to go away. A restaurant called All India Suites, All India Buffet and Suites. Okay. Forty Ninth and Main Street. Yeah. I've been going there since ninety six, so I've been going there for twenty two years. Wow. It's a it's a buffet. Yeah. It's all you can eat, as as you might imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's vegetarian. I've seen it go up. I feel like it was five ninety nine when I first started going there in the nineties. It might now be eleven ninety nine. It is still a bargain. Yeah. Um, but a couple of years ago somebody bought the bought the corner. And mm. and Steve, the guy that runs it, and now I know him by name because the place is so wonderful and they're so nice and the food is so it just I thinking about it now makes me hungry. Yeah. Um I thought it was gonna go away. Because yeah. he said, "Oh, we're not sure what we're gonna do if we're gonna, you know, if our lease is gonna run out or whatever," and so they ended up uh, closing up and going across the street into a smaller location, which they still run and they still have the same menu, which is so great. Wow. And they've managed to. The other spot was really big, so you know they could serve a lot of people and make make more of a go off of it, you mm-hmm. know. 
And so the concern was that, oh, no, they only have, I don't know, say 30 seats in the new one. Yeah. Um, but all these all these apps now, Skip the Dishes, whatever, all those other things. Yeah. He, he tells me that that, Revives. that props up the yeah. business. He's selling as much as he did when he had triple the amount of seats, but just to to people that don't want to leave their house. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, yeah. so I, I love that idea that that app basically exploits laziness, right? Because it's like <laughs> I would I I want to go out and eat, but I'm too lazy. Uh, I'll just order in. Because I've heard that from so many restaurant owners that they're they're it's not that their business is being displaced, that people who would go out are staying home. It's just people are ordering more food now from outside, right? That's amazing. I think that um, when I'm trying to think of businesses that don't exploit laziness. You know? I guess that, I mean, I guess that's the point of technology, right? It's... Yeah, it's the point of everything that you pay for. Yeah. So you don't have to do it yourself. And so the less things you have to do, now you don't even have to go to the damn place. Yeah, touche. Very yeah. well said. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that, that that's cool. That's a good, that's a great location to shout out. 49th and Main. Yeah. And yep. it's called All India Suites. All India Buffet and Suites. Yep. Buffet and Suites. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, our uh, obviously I'm South Asian ancestry. Uh, our uh, our culture loves the buffet, and we love to give a deal. We love to give people deals on food. Man, well, my <laughs> we figure it out. My culture, my people appreciate it. White people everywhere <laughs> love it. Um, before I let you go, I want to talk about the uh, I want to talk about the future as well, and and how you see it going. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the future of local news media. We've certainly seen amongst uh, millennials, and I guess people even younger than that, uh, a greater preference for outlets like Vancouver's Awesome or The Daily Hive, or even just this idea of getting your news from social media. So as opposed to having a magazine or a newspaper subscription, you just kind of are subscribed to a few places on Facebook and you you know, you know, find the, the news that way um, rather than traditional news outlets. And I think this was a you know, everyone says this happened really quickly, but I think this this did sort of ha- gradually happen over time because I do remember a point where, at least in the U.S., you know, more people or there was not more people, but a good portion of people were getting their news from like The Daily Show right. than they were real news. A good A good portion of people were getting their news from Bill O'Reilly. And I'm not slagging Bill O'Reilly here. I'm just saying he's an editorialized program. He's not the news. Well, right? neither is The Daily Show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we, is it? Is, is it? Are the two not the same on either side of the table? There is that argument. Yeah, I, I don't think Bill O'Reilly or his. But he doesn't his, think he's satirical. He doesn't think he that's is. for sure. Yeah, he Tucker Carlson. And he's not trying to be satirical. That's yeah, maybe that would differentiates the two. But but I think they would. Those two and, and Sean Hannity and sort of that Fox News side, a lot of their programs would say we're not the news. We're just pundits talking about right. the news, right? Yeah. Um, and they, they're they very clear to make that distinction, and that's why they can say things that you don't hear on other news. Things outlets. that aren't true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm trying to be friendly here. I'm trying to be <laughs> diplomatic. Um, no, but but you'd already seen that shift with people, right, in terms of not going to these traditional mm-hmm. news outlets. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, like, local news is much different. Do you think it's all going to be online? Do you think it's all going to be social media driven where where are we headed with no local news yeah that's good that's a really good question i mean over the last year uh glacier media bought vancouver's awesome mm-hmm. last year and 
you know, they own a hundred plus newspapers and websites in different markets across Western Canada, BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, maybe some across the prairies and into Ontario. Mm -hmm. Um, and as you know, we're digital only. We started digital. Um, and I've seen changes in the, in the few years we've been doing this from, do you go to home pages of news websites anymore? No. No. But do you remember a time when you bookmarked them? Yep. Yeah. That doesn't exist. It does. Yeah. Sort of. But like it's it's so it's back here. It's a couple of years when that was actually a thing. We still see it. There are still people that don't change their habits. Yeah. Like they should or like the rest of the population does. Right. Yeah. Um, and so when when Glacier Media brought us in, it was a it was a play on their part to to they've been doing websites and and digital we have a digital agency actually where we do seo and sem and and design websites for other companies oh okay cool and do programmatic ad buys and it's it's like a full agency uh media agency called glacier media digital so Hmm. they know digital really well yeah but the publications themselves are primarily um print first so you've got the vancouver courier which is one day a week Mm -hmm. and they put out a print publication every week and they have to you Mm -hmm. know and 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 they have to because people want it. Yeah. They, they don't have to because there's some agreement in place that they have to print newspapers till the end of time. <laughs> Coming into Glacier, I've, I've, I've come to appreciate more the value of these community papers mm-hmm. that are, you know, mostly free. The Times Colonist is one of our papers. It's not free. People still buy it. It's, you know, one of the more popular publications in BC that people buy from a, from a news box. Mm-hmm. Um, but these these publications that just show up at our house as a as a free service, like like a website is, like yeah. Vancouver's Awesome has never had a paywall. You can't you don't have to pay to see what we're doing. You don't have to pay to see anything what we're doing. Yeah. Right? Aside from like buying a book or, or something that's totally optional. Mm-hmm. But the the community news, I still see a future in that. And at the same time, the same publications like the Courier are getting smarter with their online and are and are doing doing things a little bit differently online than they do for the paper in terms of framing, in terms of timing. Obviously, you can't put out content once a week on your website because yeah. that doesn't work for yeah. anybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that the there's obviously more. We're going to move into more digital and we've seen less advertising coming to us mm-hmm. and more going to Facebook. Yeah. Um, that's not even a Canadian company and doesn't even charge Canadian taxes. So we're just getting raked over the coals. Um, right. You know, the government isn't even making money off the billions of dollars that are being poured into Facebook ads from Canadian companies right. to an American company. There's no tax on that when you pay that. If yeah. you pay it to us, hey, you should <laughs> give us some money. No, but my, you know, if you pay it to a local publication or a Canadian publication, at least, you know, your tax, you're getting taxed on that, which is obviously That's not, a great point, though, yeah. That, that tax money stays in Canada, mm-hmm. and that money in general stays in Canada. The people exactly. that print the papers, the people that work at Vancouver's Awesome. We have five full-time staff now and a, and a group of, of people that surround us from Glacier Media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of that stays within Canada, but this this idea of, of us continuing to just get hosed by Facebook because it's a really <laughs> good place to advertise. Yeah, if I was if I was advertising, that'd be definitely the first place I'd go. Yeah, and then Vancouver's awesome second. <laughs> no, but honestly, you know, it's it's so valuable. But the government needs to do something about making companies pay tax on it here because it's the transaction is happening here in Canada. Yeah, from a Canadian business to Canadian consumers. When you boost a post, 
you're not boosting to people in Boston. You're boosting to people in British Columbia. Yeah. In and Kelowna. very specifically, yeah. To so who that's you're in to. that's in Canada. That's happening here. Anyway, yeah. so my little rant. But no, I, I I never thought about it that way. But that's a that's a great point in terms of how media, which is tied to advertising, has has really changed with with social media. Right. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about how people access content, but never thought about the the. Uh, the the advertising end of it, the money end of it, right? How the how the sausage <laughs> is paid for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's um you know, I I had Karen Kay from C Fox on here and and uh, I asked her a very similar question about radio and you know what's the future of radio and she sort of made the point that she's been in the industry uh nearing on twenty years and she said from the start everyone was telling her the radio's dead. But it's still here. You know, yeah. there's still yeah. people that listen. Yeah. And there is that local community connection that we all thrive for. So maybe the way that demand is met will change, but we all want to know what's happening in our in our city, in our town. You know, what events are coming up? What restaurants just opened up? Uh, coverage of municipal elections from all different angles, right? Crime. <laughs> Who just died? Is my neighborhood safe? Is yeah. what's going on? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. There, there's that demand is never going to go away. And in these mediums, they will evolve, but they're never they're never going to go away just because you know print media in general is is on the wane or whatever. It's mm-hmm. it's it's just about evolution. And um, the more I the more I look at it myself, yeah, there's such a big demand for local content, mm-hmm. and and that's you know the crux of your your business basically. Local news, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the bread and butter. Um. Let's let's keep our focus on the future, uh, but taking away from the media aspect, let's look at just Vancouver as a city. Mm-hmm. What do you see the the future of uh, Vancouver looking like? Well, how? In terms of how how the city is defined, I mean, there's you certainly have a lot of people saying it's going to turn into a North American Monaco. Uh, you have some people that are quite hopeful that now things are going to turn around. Um, what what's your take on the city? I mean, you you clearly have your finger on the pulse yeah. in terms of people who are angsty and maybe depending on the seasons or <laughs> what what the weather's looking like. Um, what what are you feeling? I think people have been saying that the city's going to turn into a haven for the rich or a Monaco since Expo '86. Yeah, and I mean, maybe it has become more of a destination, but I think I'm mm-hmm. hopeful that. We're not all going to get pushed out and that people can still afford to live here. And I, I, I've got pretty, I don't have high hopes for, for, you know, the new council, mayor and council to solve the affordability crisis mm-hmm. and all of a sudden make it so that a home is affordable again, which would, you know, what does that even mean? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how far they can bring that without it just happening on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to be Monaco. I think that people evolve. <laughs> City, cities evolve, and I, I don't know. I just I I I'm I'm more hopeful now, past what I feel is like peak bubble. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, Real estate bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and. Sorry. Oh, no, no, please. And I think the city has changed actually since the Olympics as well. You know, the identity of the city. When we started, nobody 
was saying the same things that we're seeing. Now people have a different view of the city. Mm-hmm. You know, it was no fun city. Oh, it's boring. Oh, it's whatever. Oh, it's oh. But now the city is great from a sort of perspective of the public. People just can't afford to live here as much. And that's yeah. what they're angry about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rightly I, so. Absolutely. And I, and I think part of it is just growing pains of we're sort of at that cusp of how big we are and maybe we've, um, you know, maxed out space on certain infrastructure that we have in the city and certainly mm-hmm. when it comes to land and land that's available that's uh much more on the forefront than it ever was um i don't, I don't know if i see it being a, a monaco either you just hear that a lot <laughs> yeah i mean something that i can see is is neighborhoods just flipping over you know shaughnessy becoming yale town you think so? You, yeah. Not so. That's a bad example, yeah. but because that maybe not specifically that neighborhood. Okay. But yeah. Weird little pockets that you would have never thought of before, like Marine Drive and Camby. Right. How weird is that? Yeah. Where those towers are going in yeah, and there's the, a Wiener's the River there District. And, uh, no, not River District. Not River, there's okay. another one too. Yeah. But okay. just no Camby and Marine. River District is a little bit further. Oh, to you're the, right. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, more things like River District. Yeah. Well, that, that wasn't even a neighborhood. Yeah. That was a sawmill and a bunch of old industrial sites, yeah. right? Um, but I, you know, our our neighborhoods are changing, which which is sad too, because as a as an amateur or professional historian, whatever you want to call me, um, I like architecture. I like the history of the city, and I don't like to see it disappear. And I don't like it when a neighborhood or even a building is bulldozed because I have an attachment to that building. But mm-hmm. you know, but I think we're going to see more. Of it that. is about balance, though, right? Yeah. I mean, we're not even that old of a city. No. <laughs> yeah. But there are buildings that I think should be saved. Sure. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I think there's a balance. Just like, as you said, especially since the Olympics, we've geared it ourselves into this uh, tourist hotspot. And that's, you know, having tourists is easy money for any government. Yeah. Because you're just having people bring in money and spend money. Uh, but there obviously is a balance. You can't completely have a... Uh, a tourist city. I'm thinking of like a Dubai where mm-hmm. I've been several times and it's like, yeah, it's awesome, but it's just a tour. Like there's no real soul of that city. Right. Is there, are you sure? No, I'm saying there isn't. Is there though? Is there maybe somewhere down there? Down uh, I want to believe that there is. I've been there half a dozen times, uh, mostly for work. And I don't, I mean, there is in the older part of town. Yeah. And you'll get, um, again, sort of South Asian communities that have been there for generations and they have their, you know, mom and pop Indian <laughs> Indian restaurants there, which are amazing and they're affordable and people are living and, and you do have that for sure. But I'm I'm thinking of the the main city. Right. Um, there's not a ton of quote unquote culture. It's just it's like a Western playground almost. Well, you could say that about Cole Harbor. Yeah. Yeah, you could. <laughs> but there are locals that, you know, go by the seawall there i don't know (laughs) sure and i mean so the upside of that too is not just money for for the government it's money for the business owners i hope that yeah tourists go to that that mom and pop shop or whatever shops we have here you know that aren't for sure yeah yeah. and i and again just i know it's a a cop-out uh opinion but there is just a balance right it's yeah there's nothing entirely wrong with something or entirely good about something it's about creating an equilibrium that that works in a sustainable community so that people don't have to leave. People that want to live here and want to work here where there are industries don't have to move away because they can't afford it yeah. as opposed to they're seeking opportunities elsewhere or whatever, right? So, yeah. Um, 
on that on that topic, and, and you sort of brought up the new council as well. Do you think um, not just city council, but when we look at provincial and and federal governments as well, do you think politics inform culture, or do you think that the culture informs politics, or yeah, is it more of a symbiotic hmm. thing again? Hmm. I would say that the culture informs the politics. Yeah. Yeah. So so what does it say? What does it say about our culture as a city that we had a, a pretty pretty heated uh, election, uh, divisive in a lot of ways, um, but also one whose results relegate to the status quo in a lot of ways. And what I mean by that is, you know, the MPA did very well. The Greens did very well. Uh, Kennedy Stewart is an independent candidate, but he had a big machinery behind him of uh, a, a machinery that's been around for a long time, mm-hmm. right? So, so what do you think the the results of the election I, say about us? I don't view it as status quo. I think that you know, you say the Greens, how many how many councilors did they have now? Two, three. three. Yeah, they had one before. Yeah, none in the past. Yeah, uh, it's been one person's game or another. And mm-hmm. I since. The last election, I've been thinking, oh, my God, actually, for many years, because I, I grew up in, in the interior, and in Vernon, there are no parties in civic politics. Mm-hmm. In most cities, towns, there are no parties. That's right. And, and you vote for the guy that, uh, you know, the, that school teacher, because you think he's a good guy, and, yeah. and you want to vote for him, and, and, and you like his ideas, right? It's not right. based on this partisan party system where and so i've always thought oh wouldn't that be interesting if everybody at city hall just had to work together and and i've often thought Mm -hmm. man i wish there weren't parties involved at city hall secretly wishing for a a minority which is what we have now you know so we have five npa three greens two cope and uh that's it is that it one city one city yes yeah Yeah. i was actually surprised there wasn't another one city (laughs) That was, yeah, that me was too. Surprising. I thought they were a package deal, but well, that's uh, what I thought. I was, you're going to vote for one, aren't you going to vote for the other? That was that was an oddball thing that yeah. happened there. It was close. It was close. Yeah, yeah. we're talking about Brandon Yan, of course. Yeah. Um, but I think I like the. I I don't think it's status quo because we have this situation where everybody has to work together, and you know, mm. Kenny Stewart's in his in his honeymoon right now. I'm still looking at him, just smiling, like, okay, he'll be an okay mayor. You know, who knows <laughs> what he's going to do and yeah. and what what <clears throat> kind of baggage he's going to, you know develop over years but right now it's like a sort of it's a it's a fresh thing it's an interesting thing and and there's not one party there that's going to be that we've mandated to just make all these decisions on our behalf regardless if we'd like them or not and then in four years then we decide if they did a good job here we've got to decide all over the place about what's going to happen and they're going to vote and they're going to work together accordingly i think right and i think i think that's a fair observation when i said status quo again i don't one, I don't mean necessarily policies, uh, nor do I mean um, the configuration of uh, council itself. I think council has changed. But what I mean is it's not like some new part, some new emergent party came in with, you know, a revolution and, and, and got in a bunch of seats. Like you could make the argument that, you know, now one city has is back is, is on council and now COPE is back on council. But this election could have been very different with. I mean, Ken Sim was what nine hundred something votes away from winning. So this could have been a status quo, yeah, uh, council and and mayorship. It was very close to being that. Um, I I just you know you know for all the hype 
and excitement for independent candidates, for new parties. Didn't really pan out that way. That That's just sort of what I'm saying. And, and um, I... Got it. Yeah. When I saw the that hype as well, yeah. it was the last election, Sandy Garasino got a bunch of votes, got pretty close to, mm-hmm. to getting in as an independent. Mm-hmm. And then this time around, oh, there's, there's all these independents, there's high profile independents, but the ballot is so long that how many people are actually going to remember that person's name or are they just going to go to the party and go, yeah, okay, the Greens, okay, the MPA, uh, and then and go off of that. You yeah. Know, it's, it's, it's so, uh, I can't remember Mike Howell wrote it recently, but, um, setting the bar a little bit higher for candidates. Yeah. I so think that's that, a great idea. So that you can't just walk in. So mustache and, guy can't just walk. In. Oh man. Well, mayoral <laughs> sure. But council is a different story. You know, yeah. that Hitler mustache guy was not getting elected mayor, even though he was first on the ballot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He was given every advantage. That's that white privilege <laughs> <Every> right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where uh, did he go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> snatching victory from the hands of de- no, snatching defeat from the hands of victory. Yeah, he could have had a whole different city. You're I, I get, right. I mean, I mean, we've sort of digressed a little bit. I guess my point is, I wonder if um, I, I don't know, and maybe you'll disagree with me, and that's totally fine. Um, things don't change overnight, right? And for all the talk about, you know, we're going to become Monaco or we're going to become this or or wherever, even in a positive light, you know, things do take a little time to change. And there's enough evidence to show that there's still an entrenched status quo, I would argue. Um, but I think for the most part, it looks like we're pointed in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think that stuff changes outside of politics. You know, think of the work that people that you know do yeah and and change the city in a way absolutely and that's why i I started off that question with asking you know what informs what and and right how does council sort of reflect on to bring it all full circle we started with a bit of politics but how does council reflect vancouver right and and there are a lot of white women in vancouver (laughs) (laughs) there are that's true um i would just say the that was a joke i i don't Oh. There, are, there are a lot of white women in Vancouver, <laughs> but I was making a joke at how white council actually is. Sure. So, I, I was, which I which was... it doesn't really reflect the city if you look at the, the makeup of council based on their yeah. cultural backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. I, I took that the wrong way. I, I thought you meant like, oh, there's still like white women in the city. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> Just kind of glossing over that. But, um, but no, I, I think one of the things that, that the election does show is that in certain pockets, there's a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of passion. But when you look at the overall picture, there are a lot of people who are just disengaged oh, man. from society. <laughs> so many people don't even know there is an election when one's coming up in the city. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so many people don't know when there's a big public event going on. You know? Sure. And that brings the importance of, of publications like yours to, uh, to bring people together and show them all the cool stuff that's happening here. You're selling it for me. <laughs> I'm just trying to bring it all full circle <laughs> yeah, as we no. wrap up here. Yeah. Um, obviously, Vancouver's Awesome is the site. Uh, you have a podcast also titled Vancouver's, Vancouver's Awesome. awesome. Correct. Uh, and there's books. Um, 
And I believe you have a book coming out. You or Vancouver's Awesome has a book coming out next year, right? It's supposed to come out next year. It might come out for the 150. We might delay it. It's the BC Was Awesome book. Okay, yeah. cool. And the Vancouver Was Awesome book is already out. That's yep. been out for a few years yep. now. That one made it to number two on the BC bestsellers list, which I'm quite proud of. And it's available everywhere. Indigo, small bookstores, um, all over the place. Awesome. Uh, can you tell me and, and essentially tell the listeners where they can go if they want to uh, uh Check out more about the awesomeness of Vancouver. Vancouver is awesome.com. <laughs> and on all the social media, but not Snapchat. Not Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> and the racist one. What's the racist one? Oh, yeah. That We're not on that one either. Yeah, what is the racist one? I don't one? know. It's shut down. Did they shut it down? I think it didn't it get shut down. Like the app store took it off? Or? I don't know. I don't know enough about it. Yeah. But we're not on any racist <laughs> platforms, actually. So I'll say that as a blanket statement. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram, You're... Facebook, Twitter, online, and um, on TV, our show. Perfect. Um, Bob Krambauer, this was uh, this was a pleasure. We went way over time. Oh, crap. Sorry about but that. No, all good. I was having a good time. Me too. Thanks. Um, I hope you'll come back. Do it again. Sure. If we If we haven't talked about everything, I'll come back we anytime. We got a lot to talk about. I will come back anytime. We just have... We just have to bring back one Glenn Chernin story each. Oh, no. So I don't that? want any more. I don't want any more of those stories. I'm, I'm, I'm closing the book on the on that. Well, you're going to have to offer up something else then in return. Uh, oh, there's there's lots of heat. I, there's lots of, there's always interesting things happening in my world. So. Totally. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, he is awesome. He is Bob Crownbauer. And I'm Mo Amir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace. <laughs>